You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast, your Nicolas Cage movie review podcast. I am one of your two hosts, Derek, and I've got my buddy and longtime podcasting partner in crime, Ryan. Hello. And Hello. we're not admitting to any of those crimes here on the air, so you cannot use that against us. <laughs> Statute of limitations. That's right. That's right. Uh, but we are here to talk Nicolas Cage movies. And this week we are talking about the uh, 2004 adventure film National Treasure, which probably a lot of people are at least aware of and have seen a lot of the memes surrounding uh, but IMDb describes it as a historian races to find the legendary Templar treasure before a team of mercenaries. So okay. there yeah, you go. I mean, that That's, seems apt. Yeah, it's it's succinct. It is succinct. But uh, the way we do things here is Ryan has taken notes as we watch the movie and we're going to go through those notes. Yeah, so, and I actually hadn't seen this movie before, which is surprising to a lot of people because, you know, a lot of people are familiar, especially this generation of people are familiar with Nick Cage from this movie. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it, it was never really something that I was super interested in outside of Nicolas Cage. So I probably wouldn't have watched it other than this podcast. Um. But yeah, so a lot of my notes are uh, from from the lens of a first time viewer. Um, (laughs) i had seen this one uh uh, several times i owned it i own it on dvd but uh i never saw the sequel so whenever we get to book of secrets i never saw aren't there two sequels i think there's just the one and then the show there's the tv show oh okay um so my first note is that the opening of the movie reminds me of the never-ending story which is music, for yeah. some of our younger, not the just the music, the whole like. Uh, so, so if you don't know, a never-ending story is my younger listeners, of which I'm sure there's hundreds. Um, there's a scene in that movie where uh, this kid goes up to like the attic oh. of the school with a book called The Never-Ending Story, and he's reading the story. And as he's reading it, there's like a storm outside. And when something exciting happens in the book, the windows get knocked open and stuff like that. And it keeps cutting between showing the story, kind of like a Princess Bride type deal, and then showing what the kid is doing reading the story. Um, and this this whole opening is a kid going up into the attic, and I think it's storming or something. It is, yeah. And right. uh, yeah, it's just very reminiscent of that scene for me. Um, but you you don't know who this little kid is. And I I thought that maybe we were gonna get on our bingo card, Nick Cage befriends a kid. But <laughs> turns out Nick Cage would only be befriending himself in this scene. That's right. So That's this right. is kind of like a expositional, like where our family is treasure hunters. And this is a this is a hint as to the only hint that's left as to where this treasure is. Um, and then apparently the kid, kid gets so obsessed with it that he grows up to be a grown-up treasure hunter. It runs in the family. It runs in the family, yeah. That's right. His yeah. dad is played by Christopher Plummer. Nice little cameo role for him. Yeah. Next note is historical exposition because they go through this whole like history of everything. There's a uh, lot of historical ex- exposition in this film. Yeah, but specifically it's just a dump right at the beginning of like talking about all these secret societies and how this treasure has been collected by these secret societies. And it's kind of a, it reminded me a bit of the, like the Da Vinci code type stuff. Um, You know, a lot of these conspiracy theories share roots, uh, you know, like things being on the dollar bill or the hundred dollar bill and secret messages and stuff like that. So there's definitely a lot of that. My next note was Freemasons because for a secret society, a lot of people sure do know about the a lot about them and like <laughs> wear rings with the logo in public. Well, see, the working. society isn't secret. What they do is secret. Oh, my yeah. mistake. I'm not in there, so I, I don't know. <laughs> my uh, my grandfather was actually. Wow. Yeah. But don't worry, I'm not going to steal the Declaration of Independence. No, we're going to have a three-way with the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) 
And then my next note is conspiracy theory, which is basically what this whole movie is. Yeah. Uh, just mm-hmm. like a bunch of conspiracy theories, which is probably what didn't intrigue me about this movie because I don't really find conspiracy theories intriguing for the most part. Uh, I didn't really like that in the Da Vinci Code either. It's just not my kind of movie. But uh, no, I mean, this is this is Da Vinci Code for kids. Really? It, but was this for kids? I think I have a note about this later, but it just if I was a kid, nothing in this movie would have really appealed to me. It's not a story about a kid. It's a story about an adult. And like, I don't yeah, know. I mean, it, it's a Disney film. It was, you know, I know it's a Disney film, but it's, it just didn't feel like a kid's movie to me any more than it felt like an adult movie. It felt like it was a movie just made for it's a YA story watching it. Yeah. It's... Why? There's no YAs in the story. <laughs> that's true. You know what I mean? Like kids <laughs> movies are you have a kid. That's the that's the protagonist. Yeah. Because that kid can identify himself, or young adult stories have a young adult that's the protagonist because they, so they can identify. This one has a 50 year old man as the protagonist. Well, probably not 50 in, at this point, but 40. No, that's a fair know. point. That is it, a fair so point. It, it didn't feel at all to me like a kid's movie or a YA movie. So, yeah. but anyway, uh, we don't want to get too, too deep into that. So, yeah, we get that opening scene with a bunch of uh, exposition dump and like things about conspiracy theories and where this treasure's at. And then it smash cuts to uh, the Arctic, I think, somewhere in, where it's snowy. Yeah, we're, ne- we're never really told exactly where yeah, that is. We don't know is. if it's North Pole, South Pole, Alaska. You know, we, it could be really anywhere. Yeah. But wherever it is, in the middle of the land, there's a ship. Which they at least give some sort of explanation for how that could have happened. However reasonable that explanation actually is. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But uh, <laughs> basically, the the clue that his grandfather gave him like thirty or forty years ago said something about sh- like find the Charlotte or the treasure. The, the, the truth. Treasure. The truth lies with Charlotte. Yes, the truth yeah. lies with Charlotte, and oh, it took him forty years to figure out that Charlotte was a ship, and uh, so he figures that out, and somehow he figures out all off screen that the ship is in the snow somewhere. We're not told where. We never but, find out how he got that far. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of that's where yeah. we start the story. And mm-hmm. so yeah, we get like these giant, you know, snow vehicles traveling until they find what they believe to be the wreckage of the of the Charlotte. Now I, I'm not like a metal detector guy, but like how deep do you think those metal detectors can detect? I was kind of thinking the same thing. I mean, that okay. snow builds up pretty deep. Right. Um, I'm sure like there's some really high end ones that'll go pretty deep, but I don't know. Yeah, None okay. of us, neither of us live close to a beach to where we would use metal detectors. <laughs> or glaciers that might have boats. Or concert grounds that, you know, <laughs> where people drop their rings and stuff. Um, so yeah, they all, they ha- he has a crew of like eight guys or something and they all go out with metal detectors to try and find the ship because they know the approximate location they're just trying to find where the actual ship is and lo and behold nicholas cage our hero stumbles upon the exact part of the ship that actually says charlotte <laughs> i guess it's the only part that's metal that so they were just banking that they were going to find that one spot on the ship <laughs> that that's, part that made was, me laugh yeah you know, that part was a little hard to believe too because it's like you know all the nails on the ship are probably metal i would think know. so there's a lot of metal on a boat because yeah, so these are revolutionary boats. These, these that, had metal on them. They had cannons, you know, right. like. Was that a bell that was that they found? It looks like a bell. It was. I'm not 100% sure. It was either a bell or it could have been the the sculpture that's on the front of the boat mm-hmm. that we used to do back in the day, that statue kind of thing. Yeah, but either way, like he starts clearing, he starts digging in the snow and clears away right where it says Charlotte. So well, luckily it's only buried by like five or six inches. Yeah, it's been so. there for maybe a week at most. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I, I don't remember what this is reference to, but gunpowder pipe. is my next note. Well, I mean, both of those things are present. I'm not sure how they go together necessarily, <laughs> but they are present. So yeah. they get, they get into the boat and they're, they, so, okay, this is where we're introduced to some of our supporting characters. We've got Riley Poole and we have Ian Howe, who's played by Sean Bean. And um, 
they're who doesn't ex- die in this movie he doesn't spoiler, spoiler alert, alert. Yeah. yeah it doesn't die uh but they're exploring the boat they got inside and there's just cases and cases of gunpowder everywhere nothing else <laughs> at all just gunpowder yeah. and a couple of dead bodies but nothing else um and then they I've- do I think gunpowder pipe is in reference to the fact that one of the there's like one barrel that there's a skeleton of the like yeah. captain and he's leaning on it. His skeleton is and they're like, oh, this must be special because the captain sat on it. Not just anybody. Nick Cage. Yeah. And so yeah. they open it up and dig it out. And there's a pipe in there. But OK, so during the scene, did you all go, man, there's like a really shiny and good condition, like antique gun also in that captain's hand why are oh, they not right. taking that there's yeah. probably a lot of valuable stuff on this ship oh absolutely you know? that ship would it belongs in a museum right uh, exactly like there's a lot of decent stuff i mean it's not the treasure he's looking for but that gun was still shiny yeah i mean th- those bodies were fairly well preserved those are probably yeah. the best preserved revolutionary time bodies we would have exactly you know? But yeah, instead he just ignores that. He like swats the hand out of the way, like he doesn't care about the gun, <laughs> and pulls out this pipe. Um, my next note is Templars love riddles. They do. I mean, if you've ever played the Assassin's Creed video games, then you know that that's a fact. But mm-hmm. also, just like in general, conspiracy theories about the Templars, another secret society that. Or maybe a not so secret society that does secret things. I don't know. Derek knows about all these. <laughs> all, I know all about them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had better detective than Batman because he immediately knows what to do with every artifact that he finds. Do everything. He doesn't hesitate. He figures stuff out so fast. He figures things out so quickly throughout this movie that I wonder why it took him so long to find the boat. Right? Why is he like 40 or 50 years old now and finding this boat when he could have found it? Because he knows everything about everything. I guess maybe it was just a resources thing. Because so so Sean Bean's character is rich for some reason, and yeah. so he's financing all of this. So I suppose maybe the argument is that Nick didn't have the means to get to this region. Maybe. Yeah. So it's not like this is an easy thing to figure out. Too, they find this pipe that mm-hmm. has that's like intricately sculpted, like sculpted, looks like whalebone or something along those lines. Yeah, like, maybe like ivory. Ivory, yeah. yeah, which is problematic in itself, but um, yeah, on a ship, well, it was would, built made in the 1700s. It, on a ship, it would make more sense to me that it was some sort of whalebone, but yeah, that's um, fair. Yeah, so he had to disconnect the handle or the like the the not the, the handle, the stem of the pipe, mm-hmm. and then he had to stab himself in the hand until he bled, and then he rolled that in the blood, mm-hmm. and then rolled that on a piece of paper mm-hmm. because he knew exactly that that's what he was supposed to do. But that's where the Templars love riddles comes from because it was immediately a riddle that <laughs> I he don't know that, out his own blood. I don't know that it had to be blood. I think that he just like didn't have ink. Or it was just for dramatic effect. Yeah, exactly. Like, like Rod I... Swanson said, sometimes it's good to show your coworkers that you can handle a tremendous <laughs> tremendous amount of pain. So he's just like, I'm gonna show these guys, and stabs his hand and bleeds all over it and starts, yeah. Yeah. Now it was really great because it was around this time where Ray turns to me and she goes, So Sean Bean's the bad guy. <laughs> Big surprise. Big surprise. Yeah. Uh, never saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then my next note is we have to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Which I don't think he actually says at this point. I I was trying to figure out where the Declaration of Independence, because I knew the memes about this movie and everything. I, right. try, I was trying to figure out where the Declaration of Independence fit in. And at this point is where it made sense. So I wrote that in there. But I think like a few scenes later, he actually says something along those lines. Well, at this point, they realize whatever they're looking for is on the back of the Declaration of Independence. And this is where the split happens and Sean Bean becomes the bad guy at this point because Ian Howe's like, well, we're, we'll just steal it. And you know, Nick's character, whose name, by the way, is Benjamin Franklin Gates. That is his name. His whole family is a bunch of American history buffs, apparently. Yeah, but like his dad's name is Patrick. Patrick okay. Franklin Gates. Now his grandfather is John Adams Gates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it skips a generation, but um, but at this point, you know, so Ben is like, well, we're not obviously we're not going to do that. That's ridiculous. And Ian's like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and do it, and then pulls a gun, surrounded then, by all this gunpowder. Yeah, that they, they made sure to destroy- show us. They may sure immediately destroy every historical relic on the boat by blowing it up, even though these are supposedly like history buffs, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah, they they blow they blow up that boat so yeah. much so that I, I mean it's a little unrealistic that Ben and Riley survive, but they do. And then they have to walk nine miles to an Inuit village that supposedly bush pilots like to frequent. So again, Ben is very familiar with everything going on around him. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah, he gets out, he survives. It's a whole thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I, he goes down and he, he knows that this boat has access to like a smuggler's hatch or some shit. So he goes down to the smuggler's hatch and that's how they survive. They like hang out in the smuggler's hatch while everything blows up. And so my next note was good thing. Explosions only explode up. Yeah. You didn't know that it's physics. Apparently that's physics. <laughs> they just go. I up. am unfamiliar, but yeah, I will now know that as long as I'm underneath <laughs> the explosion, I'm completely safe. Yep. Um, and then we get like a weird smash cut to DC. <laughs> like right after this happens, yeah. we're, we're in the Arctic or someplace with snow. And then we're immediately in DC, immediately. like in the next scene. Yeah. And, and it, he goes from going, Oh, we can't steal a declaration of independence to instead of doing it with them, I'm going to do it by myself mm-hmm. to save the declaration of independence. And that's when he, he says the line, I'm yeah. going to steal the declaration of independence. Yeah. He, he, well, I have a couple notes before that, but yeah, he's uh, convincing that he goes to like the FBI mm-hmm. and Homeland Security um, and tries to convince them that somebody's going to steal a Declaration of Independence. And apparently they all just laugh at him. Well, because everyone believes it cannot be done. Right. Right. This is the most secure document on the planet, which is a little concerning since you would think like the CIA and the FBI would have things locked away that nobody's even allowed to see. That would be more secure than something that field trips get to go look at. But, you know, what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he is unable to convince the government that uh, a random treasure hunter uh, knows that the Declaration of Independence is about to be stolen. Uh, so that, yeah, my next notice, he said the thing. <laughs> well, so they go and they, this is where we get to meet our final real character of the movie, Abigail Chase, played by Diane Kruger. She runs the museum that the Declaration of Independence is shown in. Um, And Nick is flirting with her a little bit because she has this George Washington coin collection and she's missing missing one coin, Ryan. It's a button. Once you know it, Nick Cage has had that one before. He's got that uh, would one. You, would you guess that she's 10 years or more old, uh, younger than Nick? She is uh, 12 years younger. Okay. Just yeah. curious for yeah. other other things that we do on this channel. If, if we were to play a bingo game of sorts, of some sort, yeah. maybe that would be involved. Called something like Cajo. I'm just, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so then, yeah, they, they start, <laughs> they start planning... Head. Well, yes, because I remember how ridiculous it gets here. He um, also has this kid with him that we haven't really mentioned. Riley. But Riley, yeah. yeah. He's like a I mean, super he's not, annoying sidekick. He is. He's he's like the tech guy. Like He's a techie, right? right. Uh, now, he's not like super young. He's two years younger than Diane. So he's 14 years younger than Nick. But he was an adult at this point. But he looks very young. In my opinion, he looks like he was maybe it's like a high teenager. He was like 26. Okay, well, he looks younger so, than that. But okay, in any well. case, and I'm old, so that he <laughs> looks like a kid to me. So shut up. Um, so yeah, then we get like all this this montage of how they're gonna steal a Declaration of Independence. And they keep in mind the other guy was financing this operation, but somehow they're able to get all this like professional thief gear, like super high Zach thief gear. And he knows how to use all of it. Yeah, they're great at it. I, so, I mean, expert level. So Riley goes through this whole thing trying to explain to Ben how it's impossible, right? So we get the whole little Ocean's Eleven sequence of like, here's the heat sensors and the motion sensors and the cameras and the vault that it's stored in when it's not on display, right? And But, but Nick, our brilliant protagonist who can never really be stumped, uh, he's he has the answer. And it's the it's the preservation room right and so he goes in there or somebody go one of them goes in there and like uses a green laser on the heat sensor that which riley does up. yeah and uh so then they they get a they get a, something saying that oh the heat's too high for this thing so now we need to take it to the preservation room and fix this sensor 
that's a so crazy that's it's like this green laser pointer and i'm not saying that that tool does not exist i've never looked into it but if that exists you'd think that it that does. would be a bigger problem no they you can get them on amazon that just can warm up you can blow or you can pop balloons with them and stuff like that yeah it's crazy dude it's a that real sounds, thing that sounds like a hazard it, it's absolutely a hazard <laughs> yeah but you can get them with no license or anything awesome yeah it's good stuff um <laughs> So yeah, my next note is this a James Bond or Ethan Hunt movie because it felt a lot Dude. like a Mission Impossible or like James Bond movie. It's like so he, funny that he you said goes that. Goes into the uh, into this. They decided to do it during some party. A gala. Right? There's a gala. Yeah, a, a gala. A gala gala. And so he uh, well, he's wearing like a janitor suit. Goes in and then the bathroom. He takes the janitor suit off and he's wearing a tuxedo underneath. He's Ethan Hunt. Yeah, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And nobody said- thinks it's weird that he's just there. No, well, so recognizes him. my wife watched this one with me. She's only watched like one other of these movies with me. And I, I turned to her during the this during that scene where he's changing in the bathroom. And I, and I go, so this is just Mission Impossible meets Indiana Jones, right? Like, that's really what this movie kind is. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but it's so it's just so funny because that is exactly what they're ripping off is the is the Mission Impossible gala because they do that in most of the movies. They do. Yeah. So. My next note, I don't remember the exact context of it, but at some point somebody says that they would get their entrails cut out and burned. He does. That's one of his KG moments. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He says it when he's talking to uh, the girl, the woman. Mm -hmm. And her boss, I forget his name, but... He's kind of acting tipsy and, like, you know, over the top. Dr. Stan Herbert, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's acting very, very over the top. And yeah, the way he says burned is like very, that was like one of the very cagey moments. Oh, yeah. In the movie. And there's not a sure. lot of those in this no. movie, but there's a few. That was one. Um, so at this point, Sean Bean is also in there with his crew. Two different heists. Two different heists happening at the same time. So it's kind of like you're they're racing against each other to see who gets it. And they're playing that up, too. They're like cutting from one to the other, making it seem like one of them is getting closer or further away. But there's there's a couple of problems there, though. How does Ian's team expect to get the declaration? Because they didn't have a plan for getting it moved to the preservation room. So, like, I would would have liked to have known what their plan was. I think it would have been interesting. They knew that the other group was coming. And so they waited until they got into the preservation room. Yeah, but he was surprised to see Ben. That that isn't a real answer. I don't know. Okay. Also, the preservation room, by the way, just real quick is holding seemingly the most important document that we have. Right. And there is not a single security guard on no, the entire they're all at the floor. Gala. They're all at the gala. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he's racing against Sean Bean. He, he finally gets the declaration of independence and it's in like this big case mm-hmm. and it has like a thousand screw or a thousand bolts holding it together. And he's got like an electric single electric screwdriver. That's the slowest one I've ever seen. <laughs> And he's going through like one by one. Even if he he wasn't in a time crunch, it would have taken him like two hours to get all these bolts loose. (laughs) So he ends up taking the entire thing and heading to like the elevator. And he's just going to take it apart in the elevator. And right as he gets it out of the room, Sean Bean sees him and starts shooting at at the Declaration of Independence that they need. uh, Which is, luckily it has bulletproof glass, but it's a little weird. Like if he knows that he's, not gonna hit Nick Cage. So why is he shooting at him? And also, if he knows that it's bulletproof glass, why is he shooting at him? But if he thinks he's gonna hit Nick Cage, then why would he shoot at him? Because he's holding the Declaration of Independence, gonna damage it. You know what I mean? Like, not, oh, yeah. there's no reason to fire a shot in that scene because on one side and on the other side, it's a lose either way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you. Yeah, but it, so, it is a funny moment though when Nick's he's holding it, waiting for the elevator, and the door behind him opens, and there's Sean Bean. They just have this like look at each other. I like that moment. I do yeah, like that. It was good. And so, well, yeah, well, he gets into the elevator and he starts taking the Declaration of Independence out of the case and just leaves the case to the elevator. I guess I don't know. Yep. Um, Nobody's gonna notice. But then he's like wandering around the party trying to get out with the declaration of independence and he goes into like the gift shop to hide have... from abigail yeah yeah and he has this declaration of, the actual declaration of independence in his jacket like just kind of slightly you know obscured behind the jacket but the person behind the counter is like can clearly see it 
and she's asking if he's trying to steal it and because because they have a bunch of replica declaration of independence is there and so he pays her 35 dollars for the real declaration of independence anyway i thought that was funny but then yeah as uh, abigail catches up to him on the uh, when he gets outside and takes what you think is the actual declaration of independence away from him dun, dun, dun. which i immediately knew i had a note saying i'm guessing hers is fake and then my next note is, <laughs> yep, it's fake. <laughs> but it does start the car chase. Yeah. Which, would you consider that low speed? I was on the fence. I could see that going either It was definitely like a bus and like a van. So right. neither is capable of accelerating quickly or getting to high speed. So I would say that that was a low speed car chase. That counts. Personally. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I was on the fence. So then my next one is the kid is annoying. I kept calling him the kid, even though apparently he's a grown ass man. But um, to me, he looked like a kid. So, uh, but yeah, he he was mostly annoying for me in this movie. I did not enjoy him being there at all. So hopefully he's not in the sequel. I don't remember. Um, um, but I will say, so there's a scene that happens here, though. After they get her back, they're in the park. Across from the Lincoln Memorial, by the way. So still one of the most public places you could possibly be. And like Nick is a total jackass. You my next note is literally Nick is being an asshole to women. Like hugely. So, he keeps telling her to be quiet and shut, shut up, up. And yeah. he's just he is hugely rude. Now his mood changes dramatically through in the rest of the film. So I don't know if this is enough to say that he his character is an asshole. Um, I think throughout the movie he's an asshole and does a lot of asshole like things and i've highlighted a lot of those mostly in the in the way of different crimes that he commits while this movie is going on mm-hmm. um because you know that you know that's that's being a bad person and bad person is asshole to me so but i think he's directly an asshole to her in this scene agreed but he's also kind of an asshole to some other people throughout the movie so i it was up in the air for me yeah, whether he because I mean, that's that's another note, a hypothetical thing that would have been on our bingo card. <laughs> um, so that's why we're discussing that. If that's you're wondering right. why we're going into in depth about whether he's an asshole or not. <laughs> um, so yeah, my next one is FBI apartment raid mm-hmm. because they raid his apartment. So he because he had a he had a clean room set up and yeah. everything in his apartment. Uh, well, so we're we're introduced to Harvey Keitel's character, Sadusky who I guess is the detective, um, which by the way, like this movie is extremely on the nose throughout, especially with the names of their characters. The head detective guy's name is Sadusky. Like it's just such a detective name. Yeah, it is. You know, but he's actually pretty great uh, in the limited screen time that he has in this, but. Right. Um, so then I have throw the declaration in the oven. Right. So, okay. So we're skipping ahead a little bit. So basically what happens is they, they realize the FBI is going to be all over them. So they can't go back to Ben's apartment. So they decide to go and they need to go there to get the letters. There's these, um, these letters that they need. I can't remember the dude's name, but anyway. And so they go to his dad's historical letters that Ben Franklin, I think wrote under an alias. Yeah. And I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the, on the name now, but his dad has the originals. And the and Nick had the Ben had the copies. which aren't even confirmed to exist apparently uh, right. according to, like the historical lady but there but his dad owns the originals and then we find out he donated them to to the Franklin Institute right which, which so you would think she would know that they're real at that point but like the Franklin Institute is no joke it's a big deal in Philadelphia so like yeah that that's a very high profile place to donate to maybe maybe in 2004 there wasn't as much uh communication between museums who knows i, I suppose anyway throw the declaration in the oven what yes what, remind me what that was Derek. so basically ben has figured out that the way the stuff with this this hidden writing on the back oh, that's right right is the whole lemon juice and heat thing will will let you see it um and i would hope that by 2004 we would have had a better way of revealing that type of invisible ink than they did in 1776 but apparently not and so his dad suggests he doesn't know that it's the declaration of independence at this point and he's like just throw it in the oven and they're all like no no 
<laughs> yeah, and so I do want to say that they were being, at this point, being pretty respectful to the Declaration of Independence, and they were trying to not damage it, not cause anything. So, they, yeah, they did not want to do that. They get less respectful of it as the movie goes on, but well, at this like, point, they still cared whether this thing survives. There's a shift that happens here that the movie kind of ignores. So up to this point, we are under the impression that Ben is stealing the Declaration of Independence to protect it from Sean Bean's character, Ian. Right. But it turns out that he's not really doing that. He's actually stealing it so he can get the treasure before Ian. One more point, Nick Cage asshole. Right? Like, and he's just bringing Abigail along with us. And she's a professional. She is a curator. She is the expert. She is supposed to be like caring for these types of historical artifacts. And she changes her tune pretty quickly to be like, yeah, let's go get this treasure. <laughs> let's right. put lemon she's, juice she's all, sudden, all over the declaration. <laughs> yeah, it's all about destroying the declaration to get some treasure that she doesn't even think exists. She, right. She doesn't believe any of this is real. She doesn't believe any of it exists at all. But she's like, yeah, let's possibly ruin the Declaration of Independence because this guy that I don't really know other than once she finds out his real name knows his family is a bunch of kooks. That's the only thing she knows about <laughs> Right. Uh, so my next note is stealing money from his dad, which is another asshole move. Yeah. So so basically, so John Voight plays the father and he is the black sheep of the Gates family because he doesn't believe he's given all this up and doesn't believe in it anymore. And so they don't want him to be arrested. So they tie him up and steal his car without his permission and a, yeah. some book uh, called Common Sense that apparently he hides cash in for an emergency yeah so they stole money from his dad what a jackass to can move uh so then i have child labor oh right the little kid <laughs> which is another notch in the column of uh but you could also call this befriending a kid i don't well, know but nick's not involved that's true nick's it's riley involved. yeah it's so it's yeah. just kind of an asshole thing in general but yeah they they pay this kid to go in and get they they basically figure out that there's like a cryptic crypto key or something for good like, fellow the good fellow letters yeah the, on these letters and it's like specific letters within the letters um that spell out a message so they pay this kid to go in and do it because they can't go in because everybody knows them or something i don't really know why they couldn't just go in and do it but i'm assuming they didn't want to like have a chance to be on camera yeah but then i have water bottle magnifying glass yeah because at some point he's like trying to look at something small. I can't remember what it is. And he uses the water <laughs> bottle to magnify it, which is super nerdy. So like this, this leads to another like big logical problem in the movie for me. But yeah, so they, they're getting clothes. They're changing their clothes. Cause they're still dressed like they're in a gala uh, while Riley is using this like eight year old kid to get these letters. Yeah. Um, and basically what they figure out is that they need to go to, a specific place at a specific time. And it's Independence Hall, which is also in Philadelphia. And in order to figure out the time that they need to go, oh yeah, they, they have look to at look the clock. On... Yeah. Because Independence Hall is on the one hundred dollar bill. And the clock from Independence Hall is on the one hundred dollar bill. And if you zoom in, you could read what time it is. Fine. Whatever. Here's the problem though. They don't have a time of year, what the day of the year is. And the sun is in a different place every single day. Well, he obviously (laughs) knew that it was made on this exact day. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Every day is different. Okay, so this this also begs a question for our hypothetical bingo card. Uh, (laughs) Would this count as topless woman? Because she does take all of her clothes off in that scene that's interesting so i would normally say no because i think in the spirit of the square it was nudity yeah right and we don't see anything because this is a pg film from disney um but if it was the one space somebody was missing i think i'd be willing to let that go fair enough um okay yeah so then my next note is that he's now trespassing uh, with the Liberty Bell. Um, well, so so fun fact, this was the first time 
a movie was allowed to film in the tower of independence hall that is actually isn't that fun to me so oh, I, I think it's a fun fact i've been yeah, in that because building. you're you're from philly and i, I am it I up, so philly. yeah i know uh, we, we we know that you think every fact about philly is a fun fact so that's not uh, true so yeah then the liberty bell is he trespasses to get up to the liberty bell i guess and but then it's he, the centennial bell what centennial bell whatever and then there's a <laughs> like bit of light that hits a brick and so he goes over to that brick and then we get vandalism <laughs> because he starts breaking Carving. out the brick yeah i'm telling you dude he breaks so many laws and things that like if you're really a historian you're doing things that are pretty messed up to historical places oh yeah oh yeah absolutely he's just he is taking a knife to a brick facade on one of the oldest buildings in the country and one of the most important buildings in the country this is where the declaration was signed now he does put the brick back (laughs) afterwards so i guess there's something there for that but um yeah so then he pulls out this brick and apparently benjamin franklin himself designed a set of glasses with multiple colored lenses to so show this secret is... messages and then he puts the brick back in after he pulls the glasses out yeah so this is somewhat plausible from a historical standpoint because franklin did invent bifocals yeah. so it's not like a huge leap to say that he would have built something like this so no, that, i didn't think it was yeah that's one of the few things i'm like all right i, I can go with that um so yeah they get at this point they decide to separate and each one of them takes some like one of them takes the glasses nick i think takes the glasses Mm -hmm. and then the other crew takes the declaration of independence and they split up because they know they're being followed yeah ian and his crew are kind of bearing down on them yeah and at some point he's going through a cemetery nick is and they start shooting at him and they're just really bad shots because they are just unloading across and headstones don't cover your whole body right they're only like waist level unless there's some elaborate headstones and they are missing this guy and these they're are old missing. they're smaller headstones but there's they're, yeah. they're just shooting in broad daylight like i know philly's not the best town in the world but... and there's like three or four of them too it's there's multiple guys mm-hmm. unloading and they can't hit him um and then we get some casual rooftop parkour which is fun i'm always up for a foot chase across roofs always up sure. for that sure yeah, and then I had this is movie is a full American history tour because we're now going to New York, apparently. Basically, like Ray, Ray joked about this, the three major cities that we're in were all the capital at one point in time, for however brief yeah. in New York's case. Um, but maybe that's why. Maybe. You know? So then they're setting up, like, I guess the last bit of the puzzle, or not the last bit, but the next bit of the puzzle is, is this the boat, I think? When they go to New York, the first bit is on the boat. So, so basically, Nick. Oh yeah, gets... this is a boat because there's an interference gun. That was my next note: was a gun that starts like interfering with cell phone signals or something. Well, because Nick gets arrested, yeah. right? Sadusky catches up with him. He he gets arrested, and he tells the entire story. And Sadusky doesn't really believe him, but for some reason, he kind of trusts him, and we find out later why, right? Yeah. uh spoiler alert he says he's a freemason okay surprise, which he Big notices step. because of a ring right and uh so at this point they're like all right well we're gonna use you to to capture ian and, and his fellow mercenary friends because and this line keeps coming up at this point someone has to go to jail yeah so Dusky keeps saying times. that so we obviously know that means sean bean's character yes clearly because nick is not gonna go to jail so yeah, they go to the USS Intrepid, um, and it's like a whole setup. Ian's crew, like he does, he has unlimited resources. So he's got guys with the interference guns. He's got a helicopter, right? They got this whole thing staged out yeah. again, like a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, and it's a setup to try and get Ian, get Ian there because uh, the FBI or whoever it is is working with Nick Cage's character mm-hmm. to try and get this setup to happen. Well, instead of that. Nick Cage goes, F you guys. It jumps off the side of the the uh, ship and for a daring underwater escape that would have been right at home in a James Bond movie because they have like a, a rocket ship underneath the water that propels them like a long ways away from the boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Also so, in Mission Impossible. Yeah. Underwater escape was my next note. Uh, and then we end up at Wall Street because apparently the next clue tells them they need to go to Wall Street. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. And I don't know if this part is true or not as far as history is concerned, why Wall Street has the name. Apparently there was a wall there. I don't know if any of that's true. Yeah, I don't either. But then they go to some like mausoleum. It's a, yeah, there's a, well, so there's a church. That has right. a crypt in it. Yeah. And so this is kind of like the climax of the movie here. Everyone's together now, right? Uh, the bad guys, the good guys, they're all together. They're all hunting for the declaration. And uh-oh, Ian's got Ben's dad. So John Voigt comes back in the final act. <laughs> yeah, just to be a hostage. Just to be a hostage. Yeah. And, and so they you know, keep talking take, about the status quo. They're forced to take Sean Bean with them into this next clue. And so they go in there. And my next one is grave robbing Mm -hmm. because they like not only that, but also vandalism because they break the shit out of this like gravestone and it's like a more of like a crypt than a cemetery. So like they break out the covering and then there's a tunnel and still they pull out like a skeleton. Well, they, they pull out the coffin or the casket, I guess, and the bottom falls through and, um, did I freeze? Yes. But you're fine. That's weird. Oh, I'm back. Yeah, you're back. Except much closer. Closer? Oh, the yeah. The screen is way zoomed in. Uh, I wonder if it turned my HD off. Hang on. There we go. That was weird. Strange hiccup. Yeah, so they pull out... The... Are you good to go? <clears throat> yes. So, yeah, they pull out the coffin... And uh, the skeleton just drops out the bottom of the rotten coffin. And they're like, oh, sure, let's just climb in this dark, damp tunnel. And so they just start walking down or going into the, like, where the crypt starts. Um, And they head down that way. And Nick Cage smooches the girl for the first time. So ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't even really make sense in the context of what's going on. They could have not been romantic at all through this whole movie. and It would have been fine. It would have been fine. It made no difference in the end, really. But this isn't the time. Like, you guys are, you've been taken hostage by a hostile force with guns. You're in a crypt with, like, disgusting, decaying bodies. And now you choose to kiss this woman that you kind of sort of abducted. Yeah, it probably smells like poop and death in there. Not good, that's for sure. Rotten, rotten wood and everything else. Um, so yeah, they start like it, it's a, it, basically this huge underground area that's got like rotten ass wood steps going down in this bottom, was seemingly bottomless pit. And one of the like random bad guys that gets no name just like cr- the wood cracks and he falls to his death. And that's not really touched on at all. He just kind of dies. Well, that was Shaw. And Ian does make a comment about how, like, I cared more about Shaw than anyone here. So, right. But they get to the bottom and, like, they don't even acknowledge that there's a dead body, like, 20 feet away. I don't think they go to the bottom. I think they they were at the bottom. I think, no, I think they stop at where the next, like, area is that they're going to. I don't think that's the bottom of the hole. So, what's at the bottom of the hole? I guess dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a uh, Sparta. Where they just kick, right? kick all the uh, non Freemasons that built this to the bottom of the pit, so they can't uh-huh. tell anybody. That's right. Um. So yeah, they get to the the next area, and uh, they they get to this empty room that, or they figure out a puzzle, and it opens a door, and the room that is behind it looks like there's a it was a place where there's a bunch of treasure and stuff stored at one point, but it's completely empty. Well, so so first they they do get to this dead end, yeah, and they talk about how it's, it must have been moved, you know, and it's gone, and they give Ian a fake. Yes, lying clue. dad is my next note. Yeah, they give him a fake clue, and they send Ian and his people out to Boston. Um, so they do go to Boston, our fourth city. So yeah, the um, movie's trying to make you think at this point that the treasure's gone. You know, because even once the bad guys leave, they all just seem very somber, like the treasure's not here and everything else. So my next note was the real treasure was the friends that we made along the way. <laughs> and I was kind of hoping that that would be the end of the movie. And that the, the message was really the, the friendship is more valuable than treasure. Or all the laws that you just broke. Well, a lot of laws, yeah. Somebody has to go to prison. And so the next note I have is, never mind, the real treasure is treasure. Because <laughs> they, they figure out the puzzle, and there's a bunch of treasure. So I thought it was the friends we made along the way, but no, it turns out it's just a bunch of gold and like priceless artifacts. It is a lot of treasure. 
like it's like aladdin like you know cave of wonders kind of level of treasure right (laughs) and then uh uh, yeah i said of course the cop is a freemason because that's revealed at this point yeah um and so yeah they they basically tell him that the, the when it, he says again somebody has to go to jail and so he says oh well sean bean is over there in boston go get him <laughs> and so they get him and take him to jail and there's no repercussions for any of the crimes that they committed in this movie nick walks out of the shadows so ian can see him you know as he gets yeah. arrested no but not, o- not only are there no repercussions they're rich now yeah and well yeah famous everything else sean bean survives was my next note yeah and my last note my last note needs a little bit of context okay so the woman and nick cage get a scene together at the end where they like in their home that they're or someplace they're staying together that's his so he bought that estate okay oh yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah Yeah, because they show that and then the 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 annoying kid got a ferrari and is whining that he didn't take more money he has no idea how to drive it no idea how to drive it he's grinding gears and stuff and then they go inside after everybody's left him and the girl go inside and she hands him a map and like looks at him playfully and he goes what's this for and she just kind of goes i don't know and like runs off and so i wrote is it a map to her vagina <laughs> <laughs> like what what is this map or the that... location it will be <laughs> right i mean uh, he's a treasure hunter this why would you give him a, a map to like the bedroom it's like two bedroom or like two rooms away well, not in that house, man. In that Who house, knows? it might be like up to 15 rooms away. But either way, I have confidence that he could probably find the, his way to that room. Maybe they just moved in. He doesn't know his way around yet. Could be. But yeah, that, that's the movie. That's the movie. So apparently the, the treasure is worth like a billion dollars. And a finder's fee is typically 10%, right? So that would be $100 million. But they turned it down and they took 1%, which is still $10 million. Uh and then one of them immediately spends like a million dollars of that on a Ferrari. On a car that he yeah. doesn't know how to drive. Right. It's just going to ruin. And that's the movie. Yeah, that's the whole movie. Great, great job. We really, <laughs> and we actually were really efficient on this one. Yeah, I mean, like that, but that's the thing. Like, there's not a whole lot of depth. To no, this. it's not. It's not a deep movie. You know, normally we're searching for deeper themes and, you know, things like that, trying to trying to uh, make sense of relative obscurity. And a lot of times there's, there is nothing to be found, but we still try and find it for the sake of the people that put their time and effort into making what is technically a piece of art, even if it's bad. Um, So we always try and do that. But in this movie, there was nothing really to figure out. It was pretty cut and dry. I did, like I said, early on in this, I, I did struggle to figure out who this movie was made for. Yeah, it's it is unclear. It's kind it's of like, like a, a family PG da Vinci film. Code. It is. It is. That's exactly what it is. And I mean, it, it did well. Um, it made almost three hundred and fifty million dollars, hundred million dollar budget, which in two thousand four was a good chunk of change. Yeah. Um, you know, for a movie budget, there's a lot of movies these days that still don't get that kind of money, but it's somewhat well received. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it wasn't a, a bad movie, but it's strange. It's got a six point uh, nine on IMDb. Also, you know, in the era this came out, you know, it was probably a. Be- I-, I can see why it was a well received movie because at the time this came out, this probably was considered a pretty good movie. You know, yeah, yeah. It was I mean, a different era of movie going. It know, was. Movie- it's a very light, just kind of action flick. It's really I all that it is. Want to point out that Da Vinci Code came out two years after this. So the movie. but the book the book art was already out though. Sure, but I'm saying yeah. the movie. So it's not yeah. like this was a genre in itself at this point. Right, right. No, that's a fair point. So, I really yeah. think this was trying to do that balance between Mission Impossible, which had already had its sequel at this point, and Indiana Jones. I really yeah. think that's like what this was trying to be was the middle ground between those two things. And I mean, maybe you could argue that it was successful since it made some money, it got a sequel. Uh, that brought back you know Nicolas Cage, but it's a weird, it's a strange movie that doesn't really have a place. Yeah, I agree. So, I guess that's that. So now we got to rate it, rank it, and all that jazz. So, for those who don't know, if you're with us for the first time, we rate our shows on two different scales: quality and caginess. 
both zero through, through 20, zero low, 20 high. Uh, I think I went first last time, Ryan. So why don't we start with you? Where would you put this movie as far as quality is concerned? It wasn't a poorly made movie. I mean, we kind of ripped it apart, but I think in general, it was better than average. Mm-hmm. You know, better better than the average movie we reviewed on this podcast. podcast. Not way better, but I'd probably put it at like a 12 or 13. That's fair. Somewhere in there. Okay. What are you thinking? I was going to give it a 12. Um, Yeah, we're right on the money, basically. Yeah, I mean, that's what I gave Gone in 60 Seconds, and you gave Gone in 60 Seconds a 13. I feel like this is kind of on par. I'd put this a little lower, so I think 12 is perfect for me, because I think Gone in 60 Seconds is definitely better than this movie. I think I'd rather watch Gone in 60 Seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Uh, I don't know. And then, so we have caginess. There are very few cagey moments in this one, but there's a there's a couple, um, you know, where he's kind of getting a little yelly about some things. And so I was gonna probably put the caginess at like uh, a four. Yeah, I was thinking three. So we're pretty similar. Okay, so a three and a half on caginess and a twelve on quality. Very good. And then. The movie, so we have our wheel o cage that we spin to find out which Nicolas Cage movie we're going to talk about next on the show. The movie that is joining the wheel will be Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which, uh, if I recall, is a very small role. Yes, for him, if I if I recall, it's so a that, cameo basically, yeah. as, as far as I understand it. So that'll join the wheel, and if we do get that one on the wheel spin, then we'll we'll you know handle that but uh yeah you'll have to go to comeinofcage.com to find out what nicholas cage movie we're going to watch you next watch the wheel of cage to find that out we also have our new cajo bingo series if you want to find out if anybody got a bingo on national treasure again go find that at comingofcage.com ryan is there anything else on national treasure i mean if you like the da vinci code and want to watch a more friendly family friendly version then i guess Check this one out. Yeah. Yeah. It's Tom Hanks versus Nicolas Cage, really, uh, at the end of the day there. So, all right. Well, that's going to be it for us. Thank you so much for listening or watching and supporting the show. I'm Derek. That's Ryan. And we're the Coming of Cage podcast. We'll catch you next time.